Hi, I'm Matt Pacilli with the Virginia State Golf Association, and welcome to our Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. This week, I had the pleasure of talking with head women's golf coach at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Mallory Hetzel. Mallory has a record of playing at the highest levels in golf from her time at the University of Georgia. She then went on to play on the Futures Tour and after that got into coaching, but did get her amateur status back and has continued to compete and win, winning back-to-back Carolina's Golf Association's Women's Match Play Championship. She won that back-to-back in 2014 and 2015 before coming to Virginia and ODU shortly thereafter. In fact, we actually caught up at the VSGA Women's Stroke Play Championship event at Wintergreen Resort. This was a really fun conversation with someone who has great perspectives on two sides of the game. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mallory Hetzel. Mallory Hetzel, thank you for joining us on the VSGA's Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. For people who don't know you, who are you and what do you do? Thanks for having me, Matt. My name is Mallory Hetzel, um, the head women's golf coach at Old Dominion University. Been there for five years, and I live in Virginia Beach. And we are here at the women's stroke play at Wintergreen Resort, where you competed. We don't need to talk about your round today, (laughs) but (laughs) what's fascinating is the fact that you still do compete at a very high level um, while being a Division One golf coach. Talk a little bit about just how you got into golf, where are you originally from, yeah. things like that. Well, today was not fascinating. <laughs> My round today was not fascinating, but um, I certainly do still enjoy competing, and this is a great opportunity here this week at Wintergreen. Um, I got into golf uh, because of my dad. He was a great player. He was a pilot in the Air Force and then a uh, commercial pilot for American Airlines. And he got me started when I was about 10 years old and uh, played um, just outside of Charleston in Somerville is where I grew up. We moved around a little bit because he was in the Air Force, but primarily we were in the Charleston area. And uh, just played, you know, in high school and did the AJGA thing and the Carolinas Golf Association thing like a lot of folks do and had the opportunity to go to the University of Georgia and uh, was there for four years and four and a half years and graduated and had a very, very brief and unsuccessful professional stint, um, but knew about halfway through college that I really wanted to get into coaching um, and, you know, was lucky enough not long after graduating from the University of Georgia that I got the job at Western Carolina University in Cullowee, North Carolina, where I was for uh, a little over six years. Okay. And you were head coach there? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so then you said you've been at ODU for five years? Five years. And what was it on your golf journey that tipped you to coaching? Um, you know, during my time at the University of Georgia, we had a, a couple of different head coaches, a couple of different assistant coaches, and um, just being a stubborn 19, 20-year-old that thought I knew better and thought I could do it better, honestly, it was kind of a backwards way to get into it, but that's just the truth. And uh, it, just, it just motivated me to want to do it my way. I felt like I was maybe a little misunderstood when I was in college, and I try to always keep that perspective with with my players and uh, try to meet them where they are and um, you know hopefully provide them with a with a good experience 
talk about playing professionally a little bit. I do want to circle back to to zoom in on on coaching a little bit, but playing professionally, what was that like when you came out of Georgia yeah. and were trying to play? Well, I think like a lot of people that were really successful high school golfers and were really successful college golfers, you kind of don't know what else to do. It's just sort of the next step. And uh, I just followed in line with that and, um, you know, did the Futures Tour thing for a little bit, but was, I would say, kind of burnt out a little bit just on golf in general, certainly competitive golf. Um, you know, it's it's a very difficult lifestyle. It's very difficult um, to really make a, a quality living. You know, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, week to week out of a suitcase, you know, a different town, staying in, in private housing or hotels and long car rides. It's, it's, a, it's a tough way to make a living, um, even if you're just absolutely so passionate about golf. Um, so, you know, the opportunity to get into coaching to me um, was, just a, was just a great life. I love the game of golf. I love college sports. And it's, um, you know, provided me with maybe even more opportunities than what professional golf did. Talk about how much you love competing yeah. because you, you touched on that a little yeah. bit. The juices that you get from competition, whether at the highest level or your Saturday weekend game at the club, they're special for everyone, I would say. And I'm curious yeah. to hear about yours. Well, I think that's the, the really great thing about the game of golf is – there's always something competitive that you can do in this game. Whether you're five years old or 85 years old, chances are there's a tournament to be played in, whether, you, like you said, whether it's at your club or on the, uh, you know, a national event, a USGA event. And so, I mean, for me, I just, I, I love that opportunity to compete. And the game of golf has certainly given me that at lots of different levels. Um, sure, I'm maybe not as great as I once was, like that, Toby Keith country song but you know it's still I mean I still absolutely love it um, wish I could do a little bit better and spend a little bit more time working on my game but honestly I, I absolutely don't but I do enjoy um, getting out there and competing especially now when I'm getting to compete against people that are almost half of my age um, because that used to be me so I just get such a big kick out of that and um, it's always going to be fun and I'm always going to want to do it I think it's so important for people to continue to support their state golf associations and the USGA because, you know, we all benefited from all of these junior tournaments growing up. And we benefited from that because people that were older than us paid the entry fees and they went and played. And it's just so important for people to continue to sign up and play and compete, even if you're not as great as you once were, but it's supporting the state golf association more than anything. And I'm just a big believer in that. So as long as I'm, you know, able, I will certainly be here trying my best. That's a lot that I wish I had more time to try to unpack because it's where I've been in my life personally. And I love my college coach. I emailed with him the other, just the other day, but you know, just sign up and play and because you do get those competitive juices and no one apart from you know your bruised ego at the end of the day is going to care that you shot 83 or 85 or whatever it was um you touched on age a little bit and girls being younger than you i'm not going to ask your age you don't have to tell me your age 
what do we need to do as a whether it's a state golf association or as golf in general yeah. to get more mid-amateur women involved i'm in my herschel walker year i will say that um I think it's an issue, especially on the, really on the women's side. I don't think it's so much of an issue on the men's side, but it's definitely an issue on the women's side. And this generation now that's true mid-ams, we were the first generation to truly uh, benefit from Title IX. We all played college golf, most of us on full scholarships, um, you know, grew up doing the VSGA thing and the AJGA thing and benefited from getting to play great golf courses with, you know, great equipment, you know, access to top instruction and top technology. Um, it really, um, to me, is just about, you know, giving back to all that you got to benefit from when you were in high school and college. I think the issue is you see a lot of burnout. You see a lot of, well, if it's not professional golf, um, then I'm not really interested in it. And I think that as people get into their careers and starting families, it is a little bit of a logistical, um, you know, obstacle or financial, you know, difficulties, this and that. But whether it's just one or two events a year, you've just got to take the time to do it. You've got to make it a priority. You made it a priority for probably 10, 15, 20 years of your life. There's no reason why you can't take maybe six or seven days a year and, and do like what we're doing this week at the stroke play. How does your, to go switch back to your coaching a little bit, how do you utilize your playing experience in the many facets that make up college coaching and the responsibilities you have? Because you have to recruit, you have to work through mental game, you have to work through swing and short game types of things. How do you call on your experience your your resume well i think the biggest thing is just staying you know attached to what it's like to play competitive golf it's really hard i mean it's really really hard and it's so easy as a coach to get detached from that and and to forget about just how difficult this game is um and maybe have uh, unrealist, unrealistic expectations of your players the more you get detached from it. So staying attached, I, I feel like I just, if nothing else, uh, I just feel for them. You know, the highs and the lows, the nerves, you know, gotten out a good round. Well, you know, whatever it is, I, I really feel it with them because I've been there and done that, but I still continue to do it. You know, I'm not years and years and years removed. I feel like it helps me to know their games a little bit better. You know, my players now, I mean, they can – club me probably even better than I can club them. I mean, they know when to tell me to hit a seven iron, seven, eight iron, or help me with my putting or my alignment. Um, so I feel like it helps us just communicate a little bit better when we are on the golf course. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's good for our university. Anytime I go and play, they always mention that I'm a, the coach at ODU. It's good for recruiting. Um, there really is, there really is no, no negatives to it. Um, Ever since I got my amateur status back and was competing in the Carolinas Golf Association when I was at Western Carolina, it's just been it's been nothing but positives for all those things I just named. When COVID hit last year mm. and recruiting and yeah. all the nuance and new you know scenarios that you've had to work through with maintaining your roster yet still recruiting, et cetera. 
COVID was really tough. Um, and I don't like to, uh, you know, act like college golf was, was more important than, you know, people being sick and losing their lives and people losing their careers and their businesses. Um, but it was, it, in our world, it was very difficult. You know, when your season ends, typically it ends because of how you played. And when it was taken away from us and having to send all of our players back home so abruptly like that, uh, it was really difficult. And as hard as it was on me as a coach, it was so much harder on my players. You know, I mean, they're 18, 19 years old, and the rug is just completely pulled out from under them. And they lost control of, you know, what they were doing with their schoolwork, you know, their friends, their off-campus housing, obviously their golf, their travel, so many unknowns. Um, you know, as a coach, you are who your players turn to for answers. You don't always have the answers, but they come to you with questions. And it was just an awful feeling for months and months and months on end to not have the answers for them and to not be able to comfort them in, in the ways that I was used to. Um, was incredibly, incredibly stressful and just mentally taxing. Look, people don't like to say it, but this is their life. You know, college sports, it is their life. Sure, there's, you know, a little bit of other stuff that they get into, but they're a college athlete, you know, and, and when you take it all away from them like that, um, their life was a little bit out of control. And so it, it took all that we could just to keep them you know, feeling good about themselves and focused and, you know, trying to set some goals and, you know, achieve some things when there was no tournament or not even a practice in sight. It was very difficult. Um, you know, even the little bit that we got to compete this year, it still just wasn't the same. Um, yeah, I just cannot much, wait to get over this hump and, and be back in August. How much did you get to play this school year and what do you have on the horizon? Um, ODU as an institution opted out in the fall. Um, while our conference uh, continued to play. So that was difficult. Um, we did practice a little bit, but uh, all of us are competitors. You know, when you're just practicing to practice with, with no tournament in sight, it's very difficult to be motivated. Um, and then we missed our first tournament in the spring because a young lady that was um, not in our travel party. One of our freshmen tested positive, and they did the contact tracing thing for the rest of us, so we missed that one. Uh, so we, we missed a lot. We missed a lot, and the, the little bit that we got to do, um, the formatting was different. You know, you would play with your team instead mm -hmm. of with other teams. Um, some very odd things there, and just it, it really never felt like a true golf tournament. Um, and we definitely... Uh, looking forward <laughs> to this fall and getting back to the normal stuff. What's that experience like of seeing the team play together and in a tournament? Well, it's just not, it's just not, it's just not what competitive golf is in college. You know, you want to be face to face with your competitors. Um, there's just, there, it's so hard to explain all the little nuances that go into it, especially in college golf. But you know, here you are, like when we played at Clemson, we played in a, a fivesome. And, you know, player A is struggling on a whole. Player B can't help but react to that going, oh, gosh, you know, my teammate's struggling. I, I got to pick it up here. 
or maybe you get two people struggling and now the whole group is in a little bit of a panic because they see two players that are struggling now if you get it going the other way get some birdies going maybe you can get it going in a in a more positive direction than normal but it's just not it's just not how the game is meant to be played I told my team if this was how college golf was played I don't think I would be in coaching um you know they they want to be head-to-head against their competitors and so for us that was that was one of the worst parts of getting back to was just having everybody be playing together where do you go to get your golf content and your golf fix when you're not on the course or with the team are you watching videos on youtube are you listening to podcasts what do you yeah some golf stuff yeah i do like the um i'm 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 terrible technology person but i do like the um gosh this is terrible i don't know it is it uh like subpar or yeah it's it's colt nose i I know Mm -hmm. is the is the one guy colt nose and then i know that john peterson has kind of gotten into it a little bit yeah i I like stuff like that um but i I mean i love the game so I, i try to keep up with with as much as i can um probably a little bit more of of the pga tour um more so than than anything else i definitely miss tiger being out i'm tiger fan through and through I thought it was super cool what Phil did at Kiowa. Um, thought that was just amazing for the game of golf, whether you like him or not. 50 years old and winning a major championship is pretty remarkable. As a female golfer and a woman who's played at very high levels in the game, what are we as the general golfing public missing or misunderstanding by not being more engaged with the women's game, with the LPGA Tour. We've seen initiatives by the USGA, She's Worth Watching or Women yeah. to Watch, things like that. And it felt, you know, we had, there was an NBA player who'd worn the LPGA mm-hmm. sweatshirt, yeah. which was like just blew up and everything. And, you know, and when the US Women's Open was on a couple of weeks ago, it was like, wow, it felt, it, 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 it felt more mainstream. But, yeah. and it was like, why, what have I been missing? Why have I not been paying more attention to this? Well, I think I think some of it is there's a lot there's a lot to that, but I think some of it is we, we've done it to ourselves. I think that we set up golf courses way too long. Um, when you look at, I've done a little research on this. This is just in, in college in particular. The average Division One men's college player hits it about 20% further than the average Division One women's golfer. So if we set our golf courses 20% shorter than what the men are doing we'd be playing about 5500 yards and instead we play anywhere from 62 to 65. we just play it really really um long so the scores that these women are shooting are actually pretty remarkable because they hit hybrids into par fours and par threes and they don't reach par fives and two and there's no drivable par fours. so really what they're able to do is is pretty incredible but it just isn't maybe necessarily the most appealing to watch on tv People love to watch birdies. That's exciting. That's what people want to cheer for. Maybe the U.S. Open, yeah, everybody want, you know, wants you to you know, really have some big numbers, and that's fun to watch in its own way. But I think just setting up golf courses more scorable. Um, you see the, the, the way the men are able to hit par fives into, hit wedges into par fours, drive some, you know, a, a short par four here and there. I mean, set the golf courses up a little bit better. Um, you know, and then you just have to – I think some of the golf courses that they choose to pick, especially for the major championships, like getting out there at the Olympic Club, perfect. That's an iconic course. 
that the general golfing public knows because of men's golf. And now getting to see the women out there was perfect, I think, for viewing. So doing a little bit more of that. But I think a lot of it is our own doing. But there definitely is a push, I think, in professional sports across the board of, of the male athletes really making a push for female sports. I think you've seen that. Um, I, I can't help but think what, what Kobe and Gigi would have done for sports, for women's sports, certainly women's basketball. But I think that, you know, Kobe, he made it cool to support women's sports of all levels. You know, he was taking his daughters to college women's volleyball games. And he was really making it cool to support that and showing all the different ways that we can be supportive as the, as the general public. So, um, you know, having the support from our male counterparts is very important. And it seems like maybe now in this generation or these last couple of years, we've, we, we've separated equality and seen it now as equity and mm-hmm. as everyone mm-hmm. having what aligns with their skills and their yes. abilities and not, 6,800 yards mm-hmm. to 6,800 yards type of thing. Right. A couple of years ago, you qualified for the U.S. Women's Mid-Am. You made it to match play. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I love the Mid-Am. Um, it's great for people like me that uh, cannot hang anymore in the in the Women's Am. Um, absolutely love the Mid-Am. It's just a great opportunity for those of us that are age-appropriate to get out there and play. The one a couple of years ago out there in Arizona – was just fantastic. I mean, that, that, golf, that golf course, Forest Highlands and Flagstaff, was probably the most pure golf course I've ever played. And uh, I love match play. You know, I just always just try to get myself into match play and go from there because I certainly love the, the head-to-head uh, part of that. I haven't made it as far as I'd like to, um, but I've got, you know, the rest of my life to play in the thing. So I'll be excited for the next one when it comes around. Last two questions. What do you have on your personal playing schedule through the rest of the summer uh unfortunately I, i'm gonna miss the um the am the vsga women's am one of my best friends is getting married on july 4th so i'm gonna miss that um but i'll try to qualify for the for the mid-am the usga mid-am again um and you know who knows what else might pop up i call it right right now it's charity golf season as a college golf coach and the Hampton Roads area I don't I cannot go a week without playing in at least two or three charity events I'm a very um favorite pick for hitting from the forward tees um hitting the the bev card a few times around that is really is my charity golf season right now is what I'm you know 18 hole scrambles is kind of my thing right now okay you mentioned Hampton Roads so this is my last question what are some of your favorite courses in the Hampton Roads area oh gosh you know we have great golf courses in the 757 and uh, our team is very lucky that we get to to play on a lot of those but I am um, very partial to the Princess Anne I host a college tournament out there um, every October the membership the golf staff have just been phenomenal to me personally and it is very old school track right across from the Atlantic Ocean and uh, I enjoy it every time I'm out there playing with uh, some of the ladies groups or some of the guys they've got a new superintendent out there that's doing phenomenal job with the greens it's in as good a shape as I've ever seen it in the last five years so uh, the Princess Anne is fantastic I will definitely give them my my full support and plug great 
Thank you for joining us, Mallory. Good luck the next two days Thank at the you. event. And good luck this season at ODU. All right. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Golf in the Commonwealth. And big thanks to Mallory Hetzel. I hope you'll take a second and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. And please rate us and leave a review. You know by now that you need an active handicap index for VSGA events and even most of your local member guests. So remember to visit your VSGA member club to renew your VSGA membership for 2021 or visit VSGA.org and renew online. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the fairway soon.